Hello and welcome to Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap. This is episode 105. Today's episode is about my life as an example, where I am right now in the eastern Sierra Nevada mountain range. Doing this show in a way I've never done it before. New headphones. You'll hear about those in a minute. Looking up at these giant ancient mountains. I'll talk about that. And these beautiful clouds above me, which I really enjoy. What got me up here, how I'm able to stay up here, and how I've turned my life completely around since I started this podcast less than a year and a half ago. So, if you're ready for that, I was going to say seatbelt in, but if you're in the car, I hope you already have your seatbelt on. And if you're in the house, you have no seatbelt. And if you do, you're weird. Maybe. This is Psychotherapy. I am Jet Dunlap, and the episode starts right now. When I first started the show, I had set up what I thought would be an adequate or standard podcast type studio from what I had read on the internet. And by reading, I mean looking at pictures and watching YouTube videos. And then it evolved. It went from one mic to two mics, because those two mics had babies. It went to four mics. And then trouble ensued and got a little difficult to run all those things, so I had to go through an analog switching board, and it became very elaborate. I got a silver with a blue velvet interior. It was a metal Frank Sinatra-type microphone for 300 something dollars last year, around this time. And uh, everything was fancy. And the show had a system, and it was on a roll. That got disrupted. This is now a year and two or three months later. And I'm wearing Batman headphones meant for a child that I got at Vons for $3.49. Actually, I think my wife bought them for me. Why were they so cheap? Why am I wearing children's headphones, you ask? Well, I bought a different pair of headphones from the grocery outlet. Not a sponsor. If you haven't been there, go there. My wife loves it. I can't stand it because my wife loves it too much and we spend too much time there. They didn't work because it has three little bands on the headphone connection, meaning you can use voice like you would on an old phone. Old phone just meaning a cell phone that has a analog jack. That is not the case with new Android phones or the Apple phone using a lightning jack. Anyway, that doesn't work on my Tascam recorder that I'm holding in my hand right now. So I had to find a pair of headphones that do not connect to a phone, which is actually a little tough. And I found them in the clearance section, which is usually near the bathroom of a Vons, not a sponsor. And they had two bands on it. And they're tiny, because they're for a child, Batman headphones. That the only way I'm able to get them to fit on my head, because my head is huge, is to prop them up on the back bill of my hat that's backwards, my ball cap that's backwards, and uh, have them kind of sit over my ears. So here I am, sitting in our tent spot. If we had a tent, we don't. We have a trailer at our campsite, Campsite 31, a sponsor, Convict Lake, California. And if you saw those old videos of my show, saw those old pictures, you were actually on the show or got to see the studio, 
with all those beautiful bendy microphone things that they have at radio stations to see me with my little Batman headphones tucked away in a corner looking at a bird jumping around with my Batman headphones on, you'd be surprised. But this is the adaptation of the one the villagers call Jet Dunlap, something I preach. The people who listen to this show know that uh, I find tremendous value and hold to my philosophy of doing what I suggest. I tell you folks, do it bad. Don't do it perfect. Just do it. And that's what I'm doing here. My other option would be to not do the podcast. And I can't do that. That would be unfair. I could also miss out on the resonance that you get from me being here. My energy is much different at nearly 8,000 feet above sea level in this beautiful place looking at these giant mountains in the eastern Sierra. I'm right near a mountain I can see to the right of me that is the oldest one in the Sierra Nevada. This thing goes back to the dinosaur ages. I call them dinosaurs because uh, my teacher, Mrs. Stockman, in sixth grade called them dinosaurs. So all the way back to the dinosaur age. Pretty significant. And you feel something special here when you're in this area, the high desert near these mountains? Hopefully you feel something special. So here I am, Batman headphones on, microphone in my hand. Well, my recorder in my hand with a microphone hat on it makes it look like a little clown. So it looks like I'm holding a sandwich, a digital sandwich clown up to my mouth. And I was thinking, I need to let these folks in on what's been going on technical stuff. We got up here and we brought our laptops. We had a plan. I've now been up here about three weeks and change. We decided we we're going to stay up here until we wanted to go back. There is a lot in that. Isn't that cool? You can't have everything you want, but you can have anything you want. I don't have a Lamborghini, but I don't have to go back to work. I don't have to run back to the 100 degree valley with all that smoke and soot, I get to stay up here in this beautiful place. But that's not the point. That's an add-on. That's a little uh, fun fact for you, something you can put in your suitcase of lessons that you took from today's show. I would apologize for the wind, but I didn't create it. So if you hear a little distortion, it's not my fault. So we came up here and we brought our laptops and we didn't bring the charger. Do we have a uh, off-road trailer with a pop-up tent that has an annex? Is every single one of our vehicles powered by its own solar panel, meaning the trailer has its own solar panel and battery, the FJ has an independent solar panel and battery, and then we have another device that has like a deep cycle marine battery, so we have power all the time, can charge laptops. Yes, we brought all that. We brought more things than you could ever imagine. Technology and camping that would blow your wig off. But we forgot the charger, so we were in trouble until we figured out that you could order a charger and get it to the fulfillment center out here which is a Rite Aid. Now we thought okay solved done over done with gone not the case that Rite Aid was full so they couldn't fulfill it. Long story make it short that's from a teacher I had that taught computer science in high school I forget his name my friend Chris would know his name but he'd say long story make it short as if it was a demand. We got the charger and we've been powering through. I had something so special yesterday. 
Longtime listeners of this show, beautiful people as I call them, they will know that school for me is my Achilles heel. My ankle is also my Achilles heel because I trip and mess that up and then I can't run. But school is my emotional and mental Achilles heel. It is a place that represents much pain to me. If you want to hear more about this, I think it's episode 80, sorry, 90 something. It's called like college sucks or something. Listen to that one. You'll see it. It's got a cool picture and everything. I make it easy because I didn't like school. (laughs) So I want pictures to be there. School was bad to me. They stuck me in a library for a long time. They basically put me in what the equivalent of a grade school prison would be. I went to special ed for a year, which was very difficult. But I'm not going to lay that all out there because if you want to hear it, go to that episode. But school was tough. I went to junior college. It took me about six years because I had a full-time job. I had to drop out of junior college once, and that's why it took me so long. Because my job at the time, supporting myself completely, said you have to make a choice. You work our schedule in the sales division or you go to school. And I couldn't choose school. Do you understand that? Not like people today who say, oh, well, I, you know, I had no choice. And they don't mean it. They're just using that as hyperbole. I had no choice. I had to go to work because I had to pay rent, had to pay for gas, stuff like that. Lots of people listening can relate to that. And there's always a little bit of jealousy in our voice for those people who got to go to college as an experience like getting on a ride at Disneyland. That was your college experience, even if it was hard in the classes. You didn't have to worry about other stuff, real life stuff. It's okay. I'll get over that someday. Maybe I'll help a bunch of people go to school who are in my situation. That'd be a good karmatic way of making up for it. So school when I was a kid had a lot of reasons I didn't like it. It would give me nightmares when I first started, no matter when I went to college. Being in that building felt like prison. I was forced to listen to things that either didn't resonate with me or were just nothing and didn't teach you anything. I've learned more in the books that I've read than I ever could in school. Say all that to say, after the giant journey I've been through in the last year and a half, I decided to go back to school. This started from me getting my hypnosis certification and license. I took this class and then I said, well, why don't I go back to regular school? It's COVID. I got time. I'll pay out of pocket. But listen, I have to do it. It's something I have to do. I see that it's the most difficult thing for me, the thing that I hate the most, and the thing I fear the most. So there must be some kind of good behind it. Well, yesterday, I experienced something that I couldn't have dreamed of when I was a kid. And that was, I took a two and a half hour long Zoom class sitting at the general store at Convict Lake. The general store I started going to when I was a kid, probably no older than Nate, same place. So I'm taking this class on screenwriting in the Eastern Sierras at 8,000 feet, talking and listening to people in the Valley and uh, LA. And it was incredible. I mean, think about that. We get really spoiled, but here I am taking a class. I go back to my campsite. I already live in a campsite in Chatsworth, but I don't have this environment. This makes it so Gina and I are completely mobile. My other class, not on screenwriting, is on human resource management. Can you guess which class is more fun? Human resource management or screenwriting? You guessed right. I'm not even going to tell you because you know. So I'll be able to do school, do work, and do this show on the road. So Gina and I have been thinking, what, what would that be like? What does that couple, what does that experience look like to us we have a great 
trailer right now with a tent on top. But we thought, what if we got that Airstream base camp? You guys know what an Airstream is. That beautiful silver trailer, iconic, made out of this fuselage of old World War II planes is how it got started. And now it's one of the most beautiful things out there. Its contrast of that silver to the environment it is in is just incredible. So I'd be able to take my clients for hypnotherapy, because you can't see them anyway, it's COVID, travel around this country camping, writing screenplays, taking classes, doing the show, and helping people with my practice. How incredible is that? Now, is that like turning a key? No, we're doing it right now. We'll have to go back eventually, probably over a month up here, which is pretty cool. But then we'll be able to do what we want. Now, I thought, is there more value in being in a place like this and learning and having to be creative? Because that's screenwriting, that's the show. And I always knew there was. When I used to come up here as a kid, i try and draw because it inspired me. And then I think I tried some stories. I read my first comic book and I didn't really read it. I just kind of skimmed over it and tried to draw pictures. Couldn't do it. But out here, I've been writing and coming up with new screenplays. Last night, an amazing thing happened to me. Sitting out here in front of the fire. It's funny because when you're in town, you look at the TV. Out here, you look at the fire. We like to be captivated visually. I was talking to Gina, and she said, remember that story you had about a truck driver? I said, yeah. And for the next two hours, I went on to spell out this entire story. At first I went, he has to do this, this, and this. He can't do this. I don't want it to be like this. I don't want it to be like that. And then I spoke to Gina the entire storyline of this film. It's done in my mind. It's done on paper. The entire beat sheet, which is just like the beats of the story, the entire synopsis, the entire outline was done. I read it all into my uh, phone, my notes, spelled it all out, made sure, and I've been transferring it onto my uh, screenplay software. One of the reasons I'm doing the show right now is that, of course, my laptop had to update its software where I have no signal. So it said 29 minutes till it updates this. I guess it downloaded it when we were in town. So I said, all right, fine. I know how to take advantage of time. Not kill time, because talking to you guys, well, that's never killing time. That is incredible use of time. It just came out, this story. And when I was done, Gina was crying. Second time I've seen her cry in the last five years. Last time was the last story I wrote. And that one took 16 days. This isn't done. The screenplay is not done. This is the seed. But just telling the story that I came up with in real time moved her to such emotion because she put herself in the position of one of the characters, female lead. And I was blown away that I could do this. And lots of you know that I'm 30, but I'm an old 30. And I thought, why wasn't I able to do this before? Why didn't my life ever connect this way before? Countless times in my life, countless, and I mean that literally. People say literally all the time, and they say, I'm not going to lie, and what they do is they lie, and they don't mean literally, they literally mean figuratively. I literally died yesterday. No, you didn't. You didn't even figuratively die. You just don't know how to speak. That's a gripe. That's a gripe right there. Enjoy the gripe. Fresh gripes. Countless times, I would sit around after massive effort in a day, week, year, and go, why? Am I going through this? 
Why on the day that I'm going to ask my wife to marry me on the balcony of Club 33 during a tough year did my doctor call me to tell me I might have cancer? Just one little example of something that I thought was going to be bright dimmed a little. Did I let Gina know that that day? No. I did the right thing. I made it special. Kept that to myself. But did it tarnish it for me a little bit? Yeah, a little. The losses of friends of mine, family members of mine. I'm a human. You're a human. Some of you had less of this. Some of you had more. But whenever I felt like I was making some kind of progress, I'd get slapped. Tried this industry. Tried that industry. Tried acting. Get closer. Fall out. In a movie. Dropped out. Did a project with HBO where I was promised that my story arc would be in. Wasn't. Went to the premiere with Gina. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon were there. Took her down the red carpet. We watched the whole movie. And I sat there just thoroughly embarrassed as my wife was looking for me in a movie I was pulled out of. I could go down this, poor me, my dribbly dog, my dribbly dog story, sand jet. But I won't. The point of that little trip down memory lane was that there were too many. Well, I don't know. I feel like there were too many, but maybe my higher self, whatever it is, had something in mind. I believe that everything that ever happened up until this point made me who I am, and who I am is someone who can create stories out of nothing, out of the air, complete them, and that's special. Did it take 10,000 hours? I wish. You guys know the Malcolm Gladwell 10x rule, 10,000 hours before the Beatles got good. No, it took me like 50,000 hours if you think about all the movies I watch and all the stuff I've read all the journal entries I've written since I was 13 years old. Long-time listeners will know how funny it is that I'm going to make my living as a writer as well as a hypnotherapist, but that a guy who can't spell, who is severely dyslexic, is a writer. Turns out I'm a storyteller, and writing was just something in the way. But when I told Gina that story last night, in this place, a place that I've known since I was a child that I've been coming to, that I could create something great here, It was like the planets aligned in me and, I don't know, externally in the universe. I mean, obviously, not literally, but it felt that way to me because I had arrived at something that took a combination of all these experiences, good and bad, a lot of them bad, a lot of them tough. Being an old 30, living in an RV in my little land out there in Chatsworth, not having all the trappings I wanted big office, nice house, sacrifices I made along the road, things I didn't supply for Gina, all those things that I thought were losses added up to me being able to do something I could never have imagined or hoped I could do. Just be able to create completely formed stories at will. I always knew this day would come in the sense that I knew that all that suffering would be worth something. But when you're in it, That hope is thin. I had episodes of this show where I said, hope hurts, I can't hope. But I had to. One foot in front of the other. I had episodes on this show where I said, I'm sad. I kept recording, kept going. I thought about that in my book. I'm also writing a book, of course. I can't plug it because it doesn't exist yet, but I will. In my book, there's two things I want to say that will be kind of different. One is... On the back of the book, it'll say, this is for someone who's ready to change their life. 
ready to take massive action, do things that they're afraid of to change the direction of their incarnation on this planet, no matter what age you are, if you can read this. If this is not you, if this is a book you're just going to put on a shelf, please put it back on this shelf. I would rather not have your money. That's how I want my book cover to be, on the back at least. And then the other thing I'm going to have to say in my book that is never been in a self-help book, which is not what mine will be, but a spiritual book of any kind. Eckhart Tolle is about the closest because he just gives it to you straight, but it's hard for a lot of people to listen to him because he's very matter-of-fact, not very entertaining. To me, he is, but I am unique in that situation. The other thing I'll say is when the thing you're working for happens, you'll feel a click. Lots of books tell you that, but lots of books tell you it'll be 10 steps, 7 steps, 6 months, how to do this in a week. I keep passing this book at Rite Aid when we go down there in the town of Mammoth, and it says, 8-day diet. There's another book that says, 7 days to a new you, something like that. I would never say that, because that's a dirty lie. My book will say, It'll happen when it happens. Boy, that doesn't sell. For a guy who knows advertising and marketing and sales, that's terrible. But here's what'll happen. One day, it'll click. And maybe you'll have to be an old 30-year-old like me and have to go through all the things you had to go through to get there. And maybe it'll happen on day one. I hope it happens on day one. I hope you open the book and just by some magic, a glow comes from the book and you go, wow, my life has changed. That'd be great. But for me, it took a very long time. I've known what I've wanted to do since I was 13 years old. I'm not 13 anymore. I should have put a spoiler alert on that. But I've been waiting that long. Now I can do it. And the amazing thing about where I am now with the screenwriting is I know it's good. Does that sound arrogant? Mark my words, when these screenplays are offered, people will want them because they are that good. How do I know it? The effort, the time. 10 years on set as an actor. Before that, PA, Paige, making movies, owning the cameras, all the stuff you've heard on this show, knowing every angle. So here I am in this place, this beautiful place doing this thing that I could never have imagined but would have loved to have had. A school with no ceiling, no walls. Learning about screenplay writing and unfortunately, yes, human resource management, but that's what I have to do to get my business degree. Gina's helping me tremendously. Sometimes she'll read the chapters to me. We're both being so productive up here. Remote office, the dream. Doing what we want to do, but where we want to do it. That's the best part about the future. That's the best part about 2020 to me. COVID year, making a good thing out of a bad year. Do likewise. You can, because I can, and I'm slower than you. I've got the grades to prove it. All Fs in sixth grade. Can you beat that? In the game of cards, I would win in the bad report card game of cards, which doesn't exist, but there it is. Failed second grade. But I keep going. I look at the people my age, and some of them right now, some of my quote-unquote friends, have become so bitter, so sad, that they are so self-centered. Boy, that's a lot of hissing. 
they are so self-centered that I am repelled by them. Because they have decided that the world has violated them and they are going to just lean into that and be selfish, greedy, self-serving. That is a series of choices just like what I've done is a series of choices. You can choose to live a life of blame or a life of responsibility. I talked to Gina about this last night. Everything that's ever gone wrong in my life, I've looked at myself and said, how did I make this happen? My therapist was a great therapist. When I sat down with him, Steve Nelson, after about five minutes, he said, when you're done lying, I'll start listening to you. I was shocked, but he was right. I was lying. And at some point, I got tired of lying and started getting honest with myself. And that's why I'm able to say, I did this. Take ownership of everything. Is it hard to do that? Sure. But can you fix those things and get better? Yes. I did not start out as the best writer. I started out literally as the worst writer. I did not do the podcast well at the beginning. I've gotten better because I keep doing it. Here we are at episode like 105 or something. I'm not exactly sure. Persistence. In spite of talent. Persistence beats talent all day, every day. I have a six-pack abs. There I said it. Can you see them? No, you can't. It's radio. I'm sorry about that, but it's true. I didn't even notice it happened. I was in the river showering like a uh, woodland creature, and Gina took a video. Now, you guys know, because you've listened to the show, that Gina's not one to flatter me. But she's like, look, you look like a ball of muscles or something like that. It was a weird compliment. But I have it. I have a six-pack abs. And that just came because I was putting the effort in so often, and one day there it is. And you think, well, screw you, Jet. You're the devil. Well, I was about 200-and-something pounds three years ago and a total drunk. A little more than that, but I turned it around. And wow, I was sober before that for seven years, so it was pretty hard because I had to do that all over again. But you've heard these episodes, so I won't bore you. I think there's something special about this place. I think there's something special about you going into nature. I recommend it. I have before. And I hope you got out of this show what I meant to give you. You are beautiful. You are incredible. And you are capable of things you have no idea you can do. I'm out of words. From Convict Lake, California. This is Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy, and I'll talk to you next time.